It's been two weeks since a train derailment turned East Palestine, Ohio, into the Chernobyl of the Midwest. But if you're wondering if the Biden administration gives half a damn, the answer is no. The show starts now. Two weeks. It's been two freaking weeks since the Norfolk Southern train derailment slash toxic mushroom cloud explosion in East Palestine, Ohio. These poor people were essentially nuked, and for some reason, our president and his transportation diversity hire, Pete, don't seem to give much of a hoot. When the pair of incompetent idiots aren't ignoring the situation altogether, which Pete did for 10 whole days, they are instead making light of it as if technicolor water, dying pets, and toxic fumes are just par for the course. Uh, while this uh, horrible situation ha has gotten a particularly high amount of attention, there are roughly 1,000 cases a year of a train derailing. Don't worry, good folks, at East Palestine, Ohio, and the millions of people that rely on that river as a water source. Your grandchildren may sprout legs out of their freaking ears, but you should know this kind of thing happens more often than you'd think. This is an abomination. Pete Buttigieg should load up his husband, Chaston, and make a little family trip to Ohio and stay there until the good people of that town have some resolution. But he hasn't stepped foot there. He lectures us about the situations he's barely addressed from some white box office in D.C. And what about FEMA? They finally decided this toxic fallout was worth their time after telling us late last week it wasn't really their job. But in miraculous timing, shortly, like very shortly after former President Donald J. Trump announced he would visit East Palestine, all of a sudden FEMA decided they'd take a whack at it. Unbelievable. But where is our current president, you ask? On vacation in Delaware? Noshing an ice cream cone? No, even worse, his happy ass is in Poland to mark the one-year anniversary of Russia making that minor incursion, as he called it then, into Ukraine. This is such a slap in the face to the American people, whether you're in Ohio or not. Biden doesn't care about you, about us. And the lower-class white people who voted for Trump in East Palestine, he really doesn't give a rip about you. This is worse than a dereliction of duty. This is utterly despicable. And the fact Joe and his administration are so shameless about it speaks volumes. Maybe if the people of Ohio wear tracksuits and identify as money-hungry weasels, Joe will give a damn. But until then, raise your rainbow gas ribbon water and cheers to that. I'm sure it's going to be just fine. You trust the government, don't you? It's not like we've been collectively lied to for nearly three years by public health and safety officials or anything, you paranoid conspiracy theorists. Still ahead. We know the self-proclaimed Green Squad has conveniently ignored the environmental calamity in Ohio, but there are some real risks that are real scary. Former senior staff for the U.S. Senate Environment and Public Works Committee, Mark Morano, joins me next with what we all need to know. Hey guys, it's Tommy, host of Tommy Laren is Fearless right here on OutKick. You know, I asked my guests the burning questions you want to know, and now you have the chance to ask me the questions. On February 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern, I will be here in studio hosting an exclusive Zoom meet and greet for OutKick VIP members only. So head to OutKick.com VIP now to join and reserve your spot. Space is limited. I'll see you soon. My next guest has been warning about this for years. While the left disingenuously obsesses over climate change and CO2 emission treaties, real and dangerous hits to our water and air quality have been brushed off. Case in point, East Palestine, a.k.a. Chernobyl, Ohio. 
Joining me now is former senior staff of the U.S. Senate Environment and Public Works Committee and Climate Depot publisher, Mark Morano. Mark, it's great to see you again. And when I saw everything going on in Ohio, you're one of the first person that I checked your Twitter account to see what you had to say. So I want to just get your top line thoughts. Is it indeed safe for the people in East Palestine, Ohio right now? Uh, I would say absolutely not. And when you're dealing with chemical exposure, Tommy, and I worked in the U.S. Senate Environment Public Works Committee, and we had hearings on this, we had EPA, and it's really the dose makes the poison. So the problem is we're not talking about, you know, particulate matter, trace elements, uh, you know, from 10 years earlier. We're talking about, as we've all seen, a mushroom cloud in terms of atmosphere, and we're talking about soil quality and water quality, and we're talking about a high immediate concentration from an event that just occurred in a very small area. So what I find amazing is the EPA and the governor, who's a Republican, so we can have bipartisan criticism here, Governor DeWine, have just been clueless on this and say, well, our tests show. Well, they're not really releasing the test. They're allowing third-party companies with affiliations with the railroad to do the test. So I would say absolutely not. And if it were myself and my family, I would get them out of that immediate town and area until further evaluation could be done. And it might be some time uh, before it is actually safe. What's so sad is that I'm sure the people in that town would love to get the heck out. I'm sure that they would love to go stay at the yeah. four-star hotels that we have illegal immigrants in in New York City. But unfortunately, a lot of people in that community don't have the resources or the funds to be able to relocate for a period of time. But you mentioned the EPA. Now we know that FEMA, over the weekend, miraculously, they decided that they wanted to go and do something. Yeah. Though they previously said that that wasn't really their jurisdiction. But these people here, you know, they're being told, maybe you want to drink bottled water. Your water looks yeah. like a rainbow, but it's also kind of okay. I mean, I wouldn't drink that water for nothing. But what about just being there and breathing that air? Is that in itself dangerous enough? Yes, it, it very well could be. We're still It's still unclear how dangerous and what the long-term impacts will be. But you mentioned FEMA. I mean, this is something where you talk about equity. I mean, these are this is the very poor rural area. Now, I think the problem is, A, it's not about climate. B, these are predominantly a Trump area. If this were, say, an inner city area that voted heavily Democratic, I think you would get a lot of immediate attention. If this were, say, Beverly Hills or Georgetown or the Hamptons, I think you'd get a lot of immediate attention, media attention and government attention with white wealthy areas. But because these are poor rural white area that's conservative, no one pays attention. The fact that FEMA wouldn't even immediately declare a, a government disaster. You have people who can't afford hotel rooms to leave, who can't afford the bottled water, have no way to get it and transport it. Instead, they waited until enough pressure built in the media where FEMA, what, two and a half weeks later, finally says, all right, we'll declare it and we'll get involved and we'll get a disaster area. That's a long time, and it's only because of public pressure from people like you, Tommy, and the and the and the uh, the media that is willing to actually take this head on and not just ignore it. We talked about this over the weekend on the Big Saturday and Sunday Show on Fox News, and it's something that really stuck with me because we are putting a lot of pressure on this story over at Fox and other conservative outlets are certainly making sure that these people get the attention that they deserve, and we're trying to draw a lot of eyes to this area that's been largely ignored. 
But at some point, the news cameras are going to leave. At some point, there's going to be another yeah. disaster caused by the Biden administration. But these people still have to live here, and we don't know what the long-term effects are. Meanwhile, their pets are dying. People are feeling lightheaded. I mean, what would you tell these people that are in this area that don't have the funds to get out? What would be your best advice to them on how to deal with this calamity? Well, the best advice at this point is to get yourself out, get it evaluated, and demand accountability, demand your government. They have ways of cleaning this up. They have ways of doing soil remediation. I mean, this is what the environmental movement specialized in for decades was toxic waste cleanup, uh, remediation, cleaning air, water quality. We've actually had a pretty good track record. Since the first Earth Day, the United States has radically improved air and water quality, while at the same time increasing economic growth and population control. And we've done it through advancements in wealth and technological innovation. So we have ways of doing it. The problem is no one's interested in helping these people. And you're right. Once the cameras leave, the interest level, the, the, little, the little bit of interest we've been able to generate is going to drop like a lead balloon. And that is, that is our big challenge. And, and the answer is, the, the reason for that is simple. This is not a climate issue. Guess where our EPA director, Michael Reagan, was scheduled to leave uh, a couple days ago to head off on a trip to Africa with Hollywood celebrities to highlight the impact of climate change on Africa. Now, if you know anything about Africa, the last thing you'd think about is, well, they'd be, would be worried about climate change. They have massive poverty, high infant mortality, short life expectancy. They're eating in huts made of dung, burning fires made of dung, horrible air quality, horrible water quality. They have dire development and energy poverty issues. To go there and talk about the, the possible effects of climate change 50 to 100 years with Hollywood celebrities. This was reported by the uh, White House correspondent, the White House correspondent. And then immediately, within a couple of days, the White House had to cancel this EPA trip because of bad optics while the train uh, derailment is happening. So now the EPA chief is finally planning on heading to uh, uh, Ohio now to see this firsthand. But it's again, what, two and a half weeks later, three weeks almost? Yeah, no, again, you're exactly right about this. I want to talk about that very powerful green lobby because every other week they're telling us they want to ban something. Gas stoves, yes. lawnmowers, leaf blowers. They've already done that in California, by the way. But every week they're telling us about something else that's killing the environment. The green lobby is incredibly powerful. We've had several bills now that are disguised as COVID recovery and infrastructure yes. that are climate bills. But tell me about this green lobby. I know you have a lot of experience is their goal the environment or is it globalism? What have you seen and what do the American people need to know about this issue that really is highly emotional and it fools a lot of people? Well, I wrote the book called Green Fraud, Why the Green New Deal is Worse Than You Think, and the Great Reset book recently. And I've been to every United Nations climate summit in the past 20 plus years, just about every single one, and most recently in Egypt. And I can tell you right now, the goal has nothing to do with a clean environment, has nothing to do with controlling the climate. This is all about making themselves more powerful and controlling every aspect of your life and taking away our democracy. Now, before we even talk about this, the most important thing to understand here is March of 2020 changed the entire climate and green agenda forever. And what happened in March of 2020? COVID came and we had the COVID emergency declaration and COVID lockdowns where every mayor, governor, county supervisor, part, uh, uh, president, prime minister could overnight become a dictator and declare churches closed, offices closed, uh, schools closed, cancel weddings, funerals. 
whatever they wanted, stay at home orders and uh, ban backyard barbecues without a single vote of democracy. And what happened was the environmentalists were at first really jealous. They were like, why are they are getting all this? We've been calling for this kind of stuff for years. And they had, they had called at UN summits, climate summits, called for planned recessions to fight global warming. Well, it was a COVID lockdown, but a planned government recession. So what happened was the climate activists got their act together and they realized, as Jane Fonda said, COVID was God's gift to the left. We had Jamie Margolis, a teen climate activist, say, if we can shut down the world for the climate, for the virus, we can do the same for climate. John Kerry said the parallels are screaming. So their new template going forward is to bypass democracy. There's an effort underway to get Joe Biden to declare a national climate emergency, which would give him 130 executive powers, which would extend to mayors, governors. They'll be able to do things like ban gas stations, limit the hours, start doing more bans on gas-powered cars. They'll be able to do all sorts of energy restrictions without a single vote. And that's what we're finding. So whenever you wake up every day and gas stoves are banned today, they're going after your other appliances another day, they're banning meat one day, you wake up and you find out that the internal gas-powered cars are banned, you wake up another day and you find out that high-yield agriculture is being banned in Europe and Australia coming to the U.S., it's frightening. You say, what's going on? Well, what's going on is the once free West is now emulating one party authoritarian rule China. Everything now is done. Notice the Green New Deal was never voted by Congress. It was introduced in Congress. There were no hearings. There were no town halls. There was no switchboards lighting up. There were no constituent outreach. It never needed to be voted on because the Biden administration's made every cabinet agency a climate agency. And we now have all these executive orders going forward. And we have this corporate government collusion. So to sum this up, Tommy, there's an intentional collapse of our energy. We're seeing it globally right now, particularly in Europe, coming to the U.S., California with the highest rates. Intentional collapse of our transportation, banning gas-powered cars by 2035. There's no way electric cars will replace it. This is going to create car shortages a la Cuba. You're going to have one government-ordained uh, car a la East Germany, which they had the old East German Trabant, where people would be on waiting lists for years to get it. You have the collapse of our agriculture, bans on meat eating, making meat rare and expensive, bans on the high yield agriculture, creating food shortages. Bill Gates, number one farmland owner, pushing lab grown meat, synthetic meat grown in a steel vat that's got stem cells from an animal. It sounds absolutely disgusting. Printed on a 3D printer. Uh, you're going to have your dad, what's for dinner, honey? Oh, a steak. I'm printing it up on the printer. It'll be ready in about 20 minutes. And they're going to, this is what they're actually talking about. Of course, they're collapsing our free speech through corporate government collusion. And they're also now collapsing our medicine. We have the anesthesiologists wanting to lower anesthesia because of the carbon footprint of anesthesia. American Cancer Society worried about the carbon footprint of cancer care. This is bonkers from A to Z, Tommy. This is what's happened just since March 2020. They've gone full insane in the climate agenda because they now realize they don't need democracy. They don't have to worry about a votes anymore of elected officials. Well, I said for a lot of reasons and in a lot of areas, you mentioned voting, you know, COVID really was the trial run to see how many freedoms, rights and privileges they could take away from the American people and the people of the world, quite frankly, to see how upset we would get and how much they could talk us into. And they discovered that if they use fear, they can talk people into a lot, which brings us exactly right back to the climate conversation. And I guess that's really, Mark, what my biggest fear is, is because so many stupid young people use climate change yes. as a religion and they think that it's about saving the environment. They think it's about the animals and the trees and the 
the wildlife, they don't understand that they are pawns in a game, which is a globalist agenda of control. And you're exactly right. All those things that you mentioned, we're seeing them creep in and they have a long game strategy where little by little they start stripping away things and they recondition the American mind and spirit. But you mentioned China, which is another thing that I always try to hammer home to people. When we talk about electric vehicles and all this green energy, the country that benefits the most from that is China because they control these batteries, a lot of these minerals, they control solar panels. How excited is China about this green revolution that we're having in the U.S.? I mean, this... I hear like CNN anchor Jake Tapper, oh, the electric car, of course, that's good for the environment and the... People say that with a straight face, solar and wind. All we're doing with green energy is literally turning, offshoring American domestic energy, which we should be the leaders of the world. And actually were a few years ago before COVID, for the first time since Harry Truman was president, we had more domestic energy production than consumption, more exports than imports. We were literally at 1952, uh, American almost monopoly on, on good old fashioned energy all the collapse of lockdowns and then the Biden administration policies come in. And so what's happened is all we're doing is empowering China from beginning to end. We can't mine in America. The Biden administration just shut down mining for rare earth minerals in Minnesota at the same time authorizing the purchase of it from the Congo. The Congo mines are owned by Chinese companies. It employs kids under 10 years old, six, seven, eight years old. We now have the video evidence of this. It has the worst human rights conditions, the worst environmental conditions. And yet you have these Starbucks latte liberals who will be like, well, I don't want fossil fuels. They're bad for the environment. We're going to buy our solar panels and 80, 90 percent of the latest estimates coming from China. We have to buy them from windmills, which have their own problems with lack of energy, reliance on China, rare earth mining. And then, of course, the EVs, which make no sense whatsoever if you're worried about the environment. You're talking about a nightmare to recycle. You're talking about EVs taking a half a million pounds of materials to make uh, significantly more than any gas-powered car. And of course, you're talking about them needed to be recharged on grids that are being basically powered by coal and oil, natural gas. So the idea of an EV being green is absurd. The entire green agenda is crippling the United States and empowering China. And if they applied these environment social governance standards, all these woke standards of transgender and critical race and, and climate stewardship to China, we wouldn't be adding a squat. Walmart would shut down tomorrow, but you'll never see these climate activists want to apply any of these standards to China. It's only applied to American companies that'll force us to shut down and rely more, not just on China, but Venezuela for oil, the Middle East, Russia ultimately. So we have everything backwards. This is a destroy and hammer America first agenda, the entire green agenda. You know, I'm glad that you brought all that up, Mark, because a lot of folks think that when something goes wrong with the environmental agenda, that it's, oh, this is an accident, they're working out the kinks. But it seems a lot more like this is by design, as you mentioned. It's we know that these are really not sustainable green energy. We just don't care. We're going to fool the American people into thinking this is some kind of an alternative until that they have really no way of transportation or heating or anything of that nature relying on fossil fuels. Mark, um, I'm so glad that you brought all this to our attention, and I hope the American people wake up. This is not about the environment, as we're seeing. This is about control, and you're exactly right. Thank you for sounding the alarm, giving us all those warning signs, and I hope to have you back very soon, because I'm sure that this is just the tip of the iceberg. Well, thank you, Tommy. Appreciate it. Yes, that, you know, as Vladimir Lenin said, 
the worse, the better. That was his slogan during Tsarist Russia. They want to create chaos, and they are. Energy, transportation, food. The more chaos they create, the more power they have, and the more people we dependent on government. There are already calls to nationalize our food industry, our energy industry, because the free market failed as they crush it with their government policies. Mark, you, you didn't leave us with a whole lot of optimism, but 2024 <laughs> can't come soon enough. Maybe we'll have somebody in the White House that can reverse all of that because it's looking bleak. But thank you for that uplifting message. I'm sure everyone feels a lot better now. <laughs> I'll talk thank to you soon, Mark. You, Tommy. Appreciate it. Thank you. Coming up, whether it's CRT or LGBTQRSTUV, students are struggling and the woke agenda is making it worse. The great Dr. Carol Swain is here in studio next. Hey guys, it's Tommy, host of Tommy Lahren is Fearless, right here on OutKick. You know, I asked my guests the burning questions you want to know, and now you have the chance to ask me the questions. On February 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern, I will be here in studio hosting an exclusive Zoom meet and greet for OutKick VIP members only. So head to OutKick.com VIP now to join and reserve your spot. Space is limited. I'll see you soon. Breaking news, American students are getting dumber through no fault of their own. Let's take Baltimore as one example. Though Baltimore Public Schools had a $1.6 billion budget in 2022, which comes out to about $22,000 per student, new testing scores show zero students in 23 different schools across the city are proficient in math. 93% of third through eighth graders also tested below grade level in math. Wow. But this isn't just a Baltimore problem, it's an American education, or should I say miseducation problem. And it's not hard to figure out why. COVID lockdowns, remote learning, greedy teachers unions, and a woke agenda that puts gender identity, CRT, and LGBT above reading, writing, and arithmetic. That's how we got here. So how do we get out? Joining me now is former tenure professor at Princeton and Vanderbilt Universities and best-selling author, Dr. Carol Swain. All right, things are not looking great for American students. And it's sad for a lot of us that are really hoping that maybe the next generation of learners is going to fix everything that we have going on in our country. But the test scores are really showing us otherwise. And it's starting out from a very early age all the way up through the woke agenda in colleges. Is this reversible, Dr. Swain? I want some optimism from you. Well, first of all, I can be optimistic. The world would be saved by children that were educated uh, at home or in uh, classical Christian schools or some private schools that have not gone woke. So there will be children that will know how to think, that will understand math, that will be able to um, lead because they understand our Constitution. They have been raised by parents who took action. But for kids who are in public schools, the outcome is dismal. And after the COVID lockdowns, the national, you know, what do they call it, NAEP, the mm -hmm. educational yep. scores, there was an eight-point drop in math that erased all the gains of the 2000s. And uh, many of the experts say that the children will not recover, that the, and it will impact the states, the economy of the states, because you have these kids that if you don't uh, learn eighth-grade math, then you're sort of doomed for a track. And it's always possible to overcome. It takes a lot of work to overcome. And, and you know, I'm, I was a high school dropout. I was an overcomer. I completed the eighth grade. But I had to take remedial math, you know, when I was in college. So, I mean, it can be done, but it's difficult. And for most of these kids, they're not in families that have the resources where they can bring in the tutors 
or maybe uh, uh, the young person may not have the fire in the belly to achieve. And if you look at, you know, when I was young, I believed in America. I believed you worked hard. It made a difference. I could have the American dream. We're telling young people that America is an evil country and uh, there is no American dream that's being uh, uh, presented to young people today in the way it was when I was young, 100 years ago. <laughs> it doesn't seem like there's a lot of incentive for students to excel in schools. I mean, we're seeing example after example. In L.A., they want to get rid of honors programs over a lack of diversity. We talked about this at the Fox Nation Miseducation Summit, but I'm sure that it's got to be so incredibly insulting when we hear, hey, listen, we don't have diversity in these programs, so instead of trying to lift people up so that they can excel, we're just going to eliminate the programs. What does that say to minority students, minority communities, when they say, listen, you're behind, so we'll just eliminate any opportunity that you would have to excel? Well, first of all, it's not just L.A. Uh, in Northern Virginia, they did not notify the National Merit Scholars because uh, they believed in equity, and so since everyone couldn't be a National Merit Scholar, they did not allow the children that actually met the standard to be able to take advantage of that. And it's racist to believe that racial and ethnic minorities cannot qualify for gifted classes, uh, uh, advanced placement, uh, scholarships, these kinds of things. And so um, the whole reasoning behind CRT is racist at its core. And the messages that are sent to racial and ethnic minorities uh, they are being told that standards have to be not just lowered, but almost eliminated. Uh, we have Bill Gates, the Gates Foundation, funding ethno-mathematics, uh, 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 ethno, ethno research that argues that math is racist, and depending on your culture, you may get a different answer to a math equation. And you think about every profession in the world, including art, requires knowledge of mathematics, and you have uh, blacks and every um, racial and ethnic group in just about every field. You have black scientists, you have black mathematicians, doctors, law lawyers, um, every field, architects. Uh, even uh, the pharmacist needs to know math. If right. not, they're going to kill someone. Uh, and so you have people doing these fields. They have uh, been able to, to meet the standards but now racial and ethnic minorities are being told that math is racist uh, and standards need to be either lowered or eliminated, which means that it's going to hurt the next generation because if they internalize that, they're not going to apply themselves. If I had believed that the world was stacked against me, that, that math was racist, that I could not learn, why put forth the effort? I wonder what the motivation behind all of this is, because you're exactly right. We're telling people, students of, of all colors, that, hey, you don't need to reach this level because if you do reach this level and you're a certain color, then that's unfair. And if you don't reach it because you're a certain color, that's because it's always going to be unfair towards you. But I wonder what the motivation is. And I wonder also why there is such pushback from the left against school choice and charter schools and opportunities for people, especially in traditionally disadvantaged communities, to be able to pick their school. What do you think the motivation behind all of it is? I think that the ultimate motivation is not about trying to benefit racial and ethnic minorities. I think it is rooted in the cultural Marxism. It's being pushed by people who hate America, 
who believe that there should be no world power, who would like to see America fall. And so I think the Marxism is at the root, and they use conflict theory. Everything they do is about uh, getting people to be um, at each other's throats, whites against blacks, you know, males against females, heterosexuals against homosexuals. Everything is about causing conflict. And it's nothing about um, making life better for racial and ethnic minorities. And this whole idea, the progressives have always been racist. And the racism that they once focused on racial and ethnic minorities, now they've turned it against white people. And um, maybe before you were born, <laughs> back in the 70s, uh, after affirmative action, white people started complaining about reverse racism. The world laughed when white people said they were being discriminated against because of affirmative action. Well, I can tell you that white people are being discriminated against uh, through these DEI and CRT programs and bullying and shaming white people, you know, that is against the law because we have a civil rights uh, act, we have civil rights laws, we have an equal protection clause of the constitution. It is not acceptable, it's not American to bully or shame anyone, yet we see progressives right now, they've decided that to advance their agenda, they must have whites and blacks at each other's throats, uh, you know, hopefully for them hating each other. And, uh, and then they, this equity, equity is not equal opportunity. In my day, uh, the, what we wanted and what we fought for was non-discrimination and end to discrimination, equal opportunity. Uh, you know, we were taught to believe in a meritocracy uh, they don't believe in a meritocracy. They say minorities are unable to compete, and they have to deal with the fact that there have been so many successful minorities. Those of us who have been successful under the non-discrimination equal opportunity regime, they try to erase our accomplishments, and uh, it's an evil system. No one benefits from it. The only people that benefit from it are, are America's enemies. Right, and what always seems to be white liberals who were at the top of this food chain here telling people that average white people are bad, but that they are the saviors of every other ethnic group out there. I mean, it's time they, and time again. They are again. the useful idiots. Right. They are the useful idiots because some of them are sincere. Uh, but I can tell you that there are some progressives that uh, are liberals from the 1960s, 1970s, very much involved in the civil rights movement. And the civil rights movement was an honorable uh, um, right. action and uh, cause to be involved in. They will tell you, this is not what I fought for. This is not what I want. And I would say that um, the progressives manipulate a lot of the sentiments of liberals. They use lies. What they're doing would not work if they didn't have the legacy media willing to lie for them and cover up the truth. Because when you present people with the truth and even with the lives of the legacy media, people know what's happening in schools. And whether you're a Democrat or Republican or where you are on the ideological uh, uh, spectrum, you care about your children. You love your children. You don't want them bullied and shamed because of the color of their skin or because of something that allegedly their ancestors may or may not have done. Uh, it's an evil system, and it is not serving the interests of Americans. But a lot of the liberals that we see, they have been indoctrinated by a progressive steeped in cultural Marxism, and so they parrot. Like, that's why they don't want to debate a conservative. They don't want to debate anyone that can pull out data 
because they have been trained just to repeat certain phrases. Yeah, no, they absolutely have. And I think that the best example of that is our Vice President Kamala Harris, <laughs> who says a whole lot of nothing, but she spins it in such a way, to me, it doesn't sound articulate or it doesn't sound intellectual, but she has people well. look at as the well. press secretary. I mean, what the, what the Democrats have done through Joe Biden and his diversity cabinet is totally undermine just this whole idea of equality, you know, that minorities can compete because he has taken the most incompetent, uh, Pete Budahead, and I, <laughs> yeah. I know his name, but I'm going to call him Budahead anyway. Uh, I mean, all of these people are, are incompetent, incompetent. He could have chose racial and ethnic minorities and homosexuals and lesbian people that had qualifications, that were qualified, that, you know, that are not out there, that the most important thing about them is their sexual identity. And so I have to talk about my sexual identity because that's my most important accomplishment. No, there are people, you know, from every walk of life that have practiced non-discrimination, have uh, perfected being a, a good on their jobs. And so uh, those kind of people have been marginalized in favor of those that are flamboyant, like that uh, Sam Brenton, the, the <laughs> yeah. luggage guy. Yeah, the luggage thief, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the kind of people that they want. And what they're doing is they're undermining the success of racial, ethnic, and political minorities who have fought hard. Look what they're doing to women. They're destroying women's uh, sports. Uh, and the feminists, like so many of the feminists are silent. Some of the oldest feminists who have spoken up, they have marginalized and canceled those feminists who actually fought the battle that mm -hmm. the young people are benefiting from. And so this whole idea, this ludicrous idea that a man can be a woman, that a man can give birth, and that you can change your sex, it's insane. It's not rooted in science. And for years, they uh, mocked Christians. We were the ones that were supposed to be anti-science. And you see, you know, what right. anti-science really means, that they reject science when it serves their agenda. And what they're doing is dumbing down education for every American child and every person, you know, who is keeping their mouth silent because they don't want to be canceled. They don't want to be laughed at. They're ludicrous. I mean, it's an endless source of material for brave comedians just <laughs> watching the laugh. So in conclusion, because we know that this is, it seems to be a downward spiral, but there are, as you mentioned, a lot of parents that Democrat, Republican, white, black, brown, doesn't matter, parents who care about their children, who don't want their children learning CRT, don't want their children questioning their gender, want their students to actually learn and excel and have social skills, economic skills, professional skills. What do you tell those parents in a way that they can make a positive impact on their student and make a change outside of running for office, because I know that's always right. the thing, but a lot of parents, they can't run for they school They don't have board. to run for office. I think the parents are doing an excellent job that they have created this movement, this awareness about CRT and DEI and the sexualization of our children, the fact that even first graders are being presented with books about suicide. I would like to leave your audience with a cause for optimism, and that's from the young people that I've met that are part of Turning Point USA, Black Set, Prager Force, uh, Clara Luce Booth, Young America's Foundation. I mean, I could go on and on. And there are organizations and young people that I've met, some of them as young as nine years old. I mean, these are our warriors. And think about, um, uh, you know, there uh, seems to be a revival 
taking place uh, at Asbury College, mm -hmm. uh, Cedarville, various places where young Christians are seeing the evil in this world. They're seeing, you know, the evil that we all have within ourselves because we're imperfect. And they are, you know, seeking God's help, seeking God's wisdom, confessing their sins. And I know enough from my own faith walk, and I came, I had my Christian conversion experience in my 40s, is that um, I say Jesus is my superpower. They ha will have supernatural strength. It might be possible to turn America around. It would take a revival. Well, I hope that you're right about that, and you're right because I do speak to I'm usually to right. A, you, you are, and I, I also speak to a lot of those college kids and high school kids, and there is an excitement there because there is a battle to be fought and a war to be fought. Now, I, I promise this is the last thing, but I have to get your reaction to, you mentioned um, having your faith journey in your 40s. Well, according to Don Lemon, if you are beyond 40 years old, you are no longer in your prime. I have to get your take on that when he said last week that Nikki Haley being 51 years old was past her prime. I'll take 50. <laughs> I don't know what he would say about me. I'm a dinosaur. He he, but he, he doesn't think Pelosi is past her prime or Hillary Clinton or uh, Joe Biden. Uh, and so, I mean, it's just ludicrous. Uh, Lemon, Don Lemon is a joke. He would not have his job now if it weren't for the fact that he leads with his sexual identity. I really loved Don Lemon before he decided to come out of the closet and become an idiot. Before that, he was a pretty good reporter. I had a lot of respect for him. When he came out of the closet and decided that his sexual identity was more important than anything else in the world, he became an idiot. He did, and you're right, he led with that. It was always a part of him, but when he chose to lead with that, and then now these comments, I mean, offending pretty much every woman out there, even if you are under 50 years old, he offended a lot of women, and I think he's paying the price for that. We well, don't I mean, there's so many culture, other things but, he's done uh, right. that he should have paid the price for. And um, the, uh, But I do remember him before he came out of the closet, and it's just when, when the LGBT uh, activists decided, you know, that they were going to make it all about them, I think it hurt uh, everyone that's a member of that community because I've always, I mean, I'm 68 years old. Uh, you're supposed to be shocked. I am honestly <laughs> shocked because you look absolutely fantastic. Okay, but I've always known uh, members of the LGBT community. I even went to a dance once uh, with a gay guy. We were, the, we were the best looking couple there. I can't dance, so we weren't gonna win any <laughs> awards, but, uh, but this whole thing, the LGBT people that I've known for the most part, they were just like everyone else. They worked hard and they were not, uh, you know, uh, the ones that I saw were not treated hateful because of their sexual identity, but they didn't lead with that. Right. I mean, they just worked like everyone else on doing a good job. And so what's happened now is very harmful to them and it sets the wrong example. And there is so much grooming you know, that has taken place in this transgenderism uh, and the mutilation of kids, all of these things that are taking place, it's evil. And uh, more of us need to find our voice and take the risk and speak up. And I know that you said that you're not going to be running for office anytime soon, but I will say it again for the world to hear. If you so choose to run for an office in Nashville or Tennessee, you have my full support. But thank, thank you. you, Dr. Swain, for being in Nashville, for always being a voice of reason, for always being on Fox News, and again, <laughs> being that voice of reason. 
and whatever you do for your skincare regimen, everybody wants to know because uh, Don Lemon would look at you and think that you're 35. <laughs> I, I guarantee you that. Thank you so Tell much for passing. According to him, I passed my prime. I'm just hitting my stride. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And exactly you are. All right. Still ahead, today is President's Day, and I've got some special final thoughts for Joe. That's next. Today is President's Day, and thanks to vote by mail and liberal psychosis, our president is Joe. Well, I have some special final thoughts just for him. Today is President's Day, and boy, sure would be nice if we had one. Technically, Joe is our president, though he doesn't seem to care too much about his actual constituents, as evidenced by the fact he's in Poland today and not Ohio. But in case you haven't been lied to yet today, let me just toss this headline up there. Biden's physician says he's healthy, so we must trust the science. Boy, where have we heard that before? Hmm. Biden is healthy. COVID vaccines are safe and effective. Boys get periods. All the illegals coming across the border are asylum seekers. The water is clean in East Palestine, Ohio. Did I miss any liberal delusions? I'm sure I did because they are literally limitless. But in honor of what I hope will be one-term Joe presidency, I thought we'd pay homage to the worst president of maybe all time. Start building the second school and revitalize the use of the Cherokee language. By the way, she spent a lot of time on other reservations, other uh, nations as well. I'm worried she's not going to come home one of these days when she goes. <laughs> you think I'm joking, I'm telling you. If I hear more about the Navajos than I hear about me, um, <laughs> you all think I'm kidding, don't you? And, and the energy problem, we're going to deal with the whole notion of global warming. We passed $368 billion worth of help, which, as the same bankers talk about, is going to bring a billion, a trillion, seven hundred million dollar, billion dollars off the sidelines, investment. We'll construct a second fab here in Phoenix to build chips, the three nano chips, the three nano chip, chips and the three nano. And you know what I'm saying? <laughs> nano, no, no, I don't know. Cisco Systems and Cyber, Cyber Bastion. A diaspora-owned small business. I tell you what, I don't know where, as they say in Southern, I don't know where y'all been. Hot damn, boy. I tell you, look. Name me a world leader who changed places with Xi Jinping. Name me one. Name me one. Oh, we all know, or at least if we're honest, we will all admit how we got here. The Chinese Communist Party unleashed COVID on the world. The world panicked. The Democrats blamed Trump. The Democrats hid Biden and his crackhead son's laptop in the basement. And mass mail-in voting made way for Joe to ascend to the White House, whether he knows where, who, or what he is or not. Hell, he's referred to Kamala as president no fewer than five times, so maybe this day also belongs to her. Kamala Harris. Czar of all things, master of literally none, says she intends to run with Joe again in 2024, proclaiming that he is not too old or cognitively inept to continue on as the radical left's puppet and Trojan horse. But there is a plot twist in this story, and it's even more salacious than a midday soap opera. Word on the street is high-level Democrats are indeed concerned with Biden's age, but they will push for his re-election. Not because they believe in his abilities, but because even in Joe's quite obvious cognitive decline, he is still a better option than Kamala. And this is Democrats who are rumored to be thinking this, not me. They'd rather have a walking ice cream zombie than school bus enthusiast Kamala. 
damn, that's bad, real bad. They know if Joe doesn't run, they have no choice but to diversity pick and elevate Kamala, and that terrifies them as it should. But at least Joe has an excuse, dementia. What is Kamala's? Um, talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. This entire administration is like the train derailment in Ohio, toxic and unbearable. So to round out this President's Day, let me just say, or plead rather, please, Ron DeSantis, please run for president. Those are my final thoughts. Be sure to catch the entire show as well as exclusive content only on Outkick.com. From Nashville, God bless and take care.